0: welcome to the multifamily artist podcast i believe there's a rhythm and in art in everything that we do this is my journey about how i went from being a hip-hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor if you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Kuhn. I'm on the journey to go from hip-hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. This is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Now, today, we are bringing back the Susie Sevier and Michael Barnhart. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, call
0: the way coming from Cambridge, England. And they, nice. if you want to hear their story, you gotta listen back to their episode a few days ago because this story is all about action items and how they can and how y'all can get started and start taking action into 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 your goals and into your real estate investing journey. So welcome back, Susie and Michael. No, thank you so much. Excited to provide some more value to your listeners. Ah, thank you. Always providing value. Always like coaches, mentors, <laughs> teachers. Always providing value. I love it. Uh, now, I guess like first off, I, you know, what is if if someone wants to invest in apartment buildings, like what would you say is like the first step? I guess like let's say they also educated themselves and like they realized like okay, apartment buildings are the way to go. What are some of the first steps that they should take in order to progress in their journey?
2: So the first steps I would say is identify your criteria. So size of you know unit size, whether it's 100 units or 120 units, like a range. Identify the range. Identify the property class A, B, C. Don't do D, unless you know. That's (laughs) That's really bold. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but uh, maybe not the first starting out. So apartment class, and then you know market neighborhood class as well, right? So identify all those criteria. Also like specific sub markets within the market that you're interested in identify that. And then as we mentioned on the previous episode as well, like just shout that from the rooftops for everybody to hear, right? Like tell everybody, once you identify your criteria, tell everybody what you're looking for, tell everybody where you're investing, because people will start introducing you to people who are also interested
0: in investing in those specific areas. And and I'd love to get more granular then. Now, in terms of like identifying criteria, like being super far, being super far away, then like, I, I feel like the 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 opportunities are now endless. And sometimes you can like get pulled in a lot of different directions and, and have maybe like a shiny object syndrome. You know, any tips and advice on like trying to identify like that neighborhood class or that market or that sub market and like, you know, what y'all would look for. And even like maybe what conversations would look like and like talking to like other operators in that space. It's difficult because it,
2: it all depends on, what you're comfortable with, right? As an investor. Like it, mm. you could be super comfortable with an A-class property that doesn't have a lot of returns, right? Like it has like, but it's stable. It's stable, you know, you know, five, six percent return or something like that. People can park their money and ride out inflation, right? While C class might take a little bit more elbow grease and a lot of, a lot more management, more hands-on stuff, right? Like if you're doing like a value add project, that is. And so you just gotta you just gotta figure out, you know, if. And also if you're gonna, if you're interested in like heavy, you know, value adds, like, you know, you know, $25,000 a unit to, you know, gut it and, and rehab it. Or if it's just like, Hey, we're going to turn these, you know, update the counters and cabinets or something like that. Uh, maybe put in some, you know, wood flooring versus carpet, you know, like things like that. You just got to think about like what you're comfortable with, what your, what team you're building has the ability to do. And then just kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. And even like what skills you have, right? Like Or what you're passionate about. Because like, we really like the aspect of like, with these residents, like we can really change their lives. But you could be super interested in assisted living because like, you know that your grandparents or someone close to you has had a horrible experience and you want to make a difference there. Or like, maybe you're really interested in triple net lease, you know? But it's like, that's what you find out through the education, like what your niche would truly be. And then that makes it a little bit easier as well.
0: It's really understanding yourself, your own investor profile, and just having like a hyper level of awareness of like what you can take in terms of risk. And then also what you're interested in and passionate about. Now, once they figure that out then, and they want to start networking with other people, like, I'd love to know some of just like the networking strategies, how you all found these meetups and even what has worked and not worked when meeting these other investors,
1: so like a lot of the meetups that we found were from meetup.com. So like from there, like, cause it majority of the time it's on zoom, we'd screenshot it and like reach out and connect with every single person who was at the meetup. Like, Hey, we were at the same meetup. Like, what was one thing that you took away that you didn't know before? And then we did that at conferences, you know, and by that way you, like, well, one, if you don't have a LinkedIn, you need one because with all these connections, you also see all of the content that people are putting out. So then you can also get ideas for content yourself. And like, that's huge as well, but it's just reaching out to these people and starting those conversations. Cause then you can get to know them better. And then you, hopefully you can get on a call with them. But then also remembering that like a ton of those people won't ever respond to you and they'll just connect. And that's totally okay too. Like it has nothing to do with you and it has all to do with like where they're at in their life journey. Yeah. You know, cause everybody has like, it is in different spots.
2: Yeah. And don't just drop into their DMS too. And, and like give your whole life spiel about like <laughs> how you're a new, you're an aspiring multifamily investor and you know, you can do this X, Y, Z, whatever. Like just start off the conversation. Simple. Like, Hey, thanks for the connecting or whatever. I, I, I don't know, read through the LinkedIn profiles. like, I really find, you know, it's really cool that you went to school here or something like, I don't know, you know, just things like that. And then you can start the conversation and dialogue, right? Because to tell you the truth, when I get things in my inbox where it's like, hi, Michael, uh, I'm so-and-so from wherever, and they give me like this huge long thing. And most of the time it's just spam. Like, I don't have, I'm not going to engage with it. You know, like I, you know, you have to like r- reel me in to engage with you. You know, I'm not going to just engage with this giant long post. Mm -hmm. Another thing too is like when you start networking as well, another tip for your listeners, start writing down everybody's name, first name, last name, name, what markets they're investing in, everything like that. You don't have to go straight into getting like a $500 a year CRM, so customer relationship manager, software tool, whether that's, you know, Active Campaign or MailChimp or whatever, you know, like you don't have to spend that money right away. But like once you start building a list of people, just throw it in like Google Sheets or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. you know, what market they're interested in, what what role they are, like, would they be a potential investor, things like that, and get their email address, like have all that stuff, you know, in some kind of sheet. And then once you start getting large enough, when you have like a couple hundred or maybe 50 or something like that, then start thinking about getting a CRM and things like that.
1: Yeah. Cause then when you see them again, you can look back on your notes and be like, oh, like last time we talked, it was almost your child's birthday. Like how did their birthday party go? Or, oh, you were going on vacation. How did that go? Like you need to create those personal touches because mm-hmm. we're there's a lot of us in this space. Like it's a very small space, but there's a lot of us in it, and we all know each other. So like, how are you going to stand out against the rest?
0: Yeah, it, it almost sounds like we're we're just like dating <laughs> in a way. Like you know, call it. There's like kind of like a call to action that you like, kind of getting them intrigued. You don't want to go off, come off like way too hard and tell them your whole life story, but just start that relationship there and just like continue to add like certain personal touches and remember certain things about, you know, other people. um Yeah. Was it, uh, was it ever awkward for y'all, I guess, you know, with the virtual networking, like, cause, cause Zoom compared to, I guess, like in-person meetups was, was super different. Like was, did y'all ever have like any awkward moments <laughs> in, in reaching out to people?
1: I mean, via Zoom, like when we were on the call, yeah, yeah. there were awkward moments just because, Like sometimes people are really like introverted. And so you have to pull a conversation out. And if you're not ready for that, then it feels weird. But Mm -hmm. like, that's also just going back to like, oh, okay, this person's probably uncomfortable. How can I make them feel better? You know, cause that's really what it is. Like they don't feel safe right now just to be able to open up. So like, what can I do or how can I act? Or what can I say so that I can like create a safe space?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I'm sure a lot of your listeners or some listeners out there are probably like, Michael, like I can't, you know, I, I can't network. I can't, you know, it's hard for me. Like I'm scared and things like that. Like you're making it sound so easy. Like for us at the very beginning, it was very difficult. Like we are not the people who go up to random people at a conference, whatever, if we are in person and start chatting. Right. Like we are the people, like if we went to a conference together before, you know, this whole journey that we're on, we would be sitting in a corner chatting with each
1: other. other, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You would never think that, you know, Michael and Susie are, you know, these really good networkers. Now we are now, you would never think that before we had to like, sometimes we still get nervous, like, but the first couple networking calls or people that we met or zoom calls that we had, like we were profusely sweating. We were like, we had to working ourselves up to actually get in these calls, right? Like my first ever real estate investing call was with this gentleman named Marcus along and so shout out to Marcus. But he, you know, he was over in England. He's investing back in the States. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Let's chat with him. I set up a call and I literally almost canceled yeah. like because I was so scared. Yeah. And if I would have canceled Taylor, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here right now chatting with you. So I'm so glad that we just, you know, crossed, crossed that path and, and got rid of those demons <laughs> and, and over over time, it just, yeah practice over, you know, practicing over and over and over again, we don't pit out and sweat anymore. You know, we're good to go. So, yeah. I
0: hmm. mean, that's really refreshing to hear. Cause like, I, I wouldn't have taken y'all for like introverts at all. Like, you know, you have your own podcast and, you know, even being a guest on this show, it's, it's, it seems to come so natural for y'all. And so I never would have guessed that, but that's, that's so interesting that, that y'all went through that.
2: <laughs> and with a lot of practice, you know, yeah. just, just make yourself 1% better every day mm-hmm. and, and then listen to yourself as well. Like, yes, which is
1: horrible. Yeah. So it's if horrible. you're a podcast,
2: listen to yourself and you're like, okay, well, I need to stop doing that or stop, start doing this or whatever, you know, like always looking for ways to improve.
0: Right. So. Yeah. Listening and and also listening to yourself. I, I, I remember when I recorded my first episode and it was uh it was like my origin story or whatever. And it was it was hard to just listen through the entire thing. I'm like, oh like this is really difficult just to <laughs> just to get through. But like I had to get it get through it just to kind of like pick and pick some of the, the weaknesses out and try and improve yeah. on, on that. Now what did the some of the conversations look like and then also like following up? Cause at least like for, for me and like when people are reaching out. Everyone's always talking about giving value, giving value, giving value. But also at the same time, there's it. it, it sort of loses the relationship aspect and seems almost seems like transactional. Like, what were some of the, like the those first investor calls look like? Look like like what did the conversation look like? Did y'all talk about like market right away? Did y'all talk about family? Did you, like, what did those conversations look like?
1: I mean, we would just ask like, "What is your journey in real estate investing?" Like, because we need to get them talking so that they can pretty much convince themselves that real estate investing is the way to go you know so yes they definitely asked us about us like why they should trust us like we would have to talk about our team like how we came up with conservative underwriting but we grew that out to just hopefully talk about like why are you investing in real estate why are you interested in real estate because People, a lot of people think about it. A lot of people don't talk about it, you know. And we've had people cry to us and telling us how they want to like leave like generational wealth for their family. We have somebody who is like terminally ill who invests with us because he wants to leave money for his family when he leaves. Like Mm -hmm. you get really, really deep. And at that point, it's like you just have that aha moment. It's like, wow, this is exactly why I need to invest in real estate. And this is why I'm saying it out loud. So, like, just we got to like the core of who they were as people and why they wanted to do it and what their hobbies were and how they could like do more of their hobbies or get more time back, you know? Cause so many people say like, I want more time with my family and we can, we just tell them examples about how other people are doing that as well.
0: Wow. Now in it, in, that's, I guess like, what's really impactful, you know, really impactful is, is just the fact that like we are in a people business and knowing mm-hmm. that like people are investing in real estate, not just to make a buck, but to get their time back to, you know, for their alter- ulterior reasons, whether that's family, getting their time back or, or whatever that may be, like these are people that we're dealing with. And so building that relationship and finding out who their core is, is impactful and, and yeah. generous. <laughs> um, but awesome. Any, any last words before before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd love to share like a couple more tips. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. more, like I'm not
1: ready to go. One more yeah. tip uh,
2: for your listeners. And that's just like once you start getting momentum, when you start growing your business and things like that, because it will happen, like as long as you wake up every day and you grind and get it like real estate is simple, right? But it's not easy. You gotta you gotta hustle, you gotta grind in order to get after it, right? So, but yeah, it's very, very simple, right? Get in those rooms with those people who are doing the things you want to do because being around people who look like you talk like you act like you will make you think that, Hey, if he can do it or she can do it, I can do it as well. Right. So that, but also when you start growing, make sure that you take the time to write down, like if you have like recurring tasks and things Mm -hmm. like that, write those down. And then what we do is we have a project management software tool that we put all of our tasks that we do that are repetitive into this project, you know, cause you can assign like a, you can make a task, whatever in, the, in those uh, software programs, make a task. And then what we do is film ourselves with a screen share filmer or whatever, like you like Loom and things like that. Or you can do it in Zoom as well, but share your screen, show yourself or whoever is watching the video, like how you're doing that specific task or talk about it, right? Like how you do it. Uh, and then save that video clip into that task Right. And now you're setting yourself up because in the future, what your ultimate goal is to be able to hand those tasks off to somebody else. Right. Because you don't want to keep doing the mundane ten dollar an hour task. You're going to want to focus on the 10 hundred thousand dollar ideas that are gonna, you know, gonna to continue to grow your business, right? You don't want to be bogged down doing the day-to-day stuff. You want to be focused on the vision of the business and growing your business over and over. So, like I said write down everything that you do on a daily, basis, put it in a project management software, film yourself doing it, and then that'll set you up. Eventually, what you want to do is take that, hand that off to somebody else. Also, the ultimate goal for me and for Susie and I is like, if something was to happen to one, either one of us, we want to be able to pick up where the other left off. And having that record of exactly what we do on a daily or monthly or weekly basis like, is critical, right? We could pick up where the other left off and continue to run the
0: business smoothly. Ned, quick, quick follow up question: Are we, are we still yeah. good? Just a couple minutes yeah. after. Okay, uh, what are some of those like daily, monthly, uh, uh, weekly recurring tasks that y'all have done and in, in recorded? Is that analyzing deals, reaching out to brokers? What does that look like?
1: Oh no, it's like oh so- social media posts. Like oh. you know, like <laughs> get like lower than that, you know? Because social media posting will take up so much of your time. Mm -hmm. so much of your time so it's like creating those posts you can easily write a blog article like have somebody else like go in and like take out a sentence to draw people in make the little cover art for your website or even for your post you know things like that like if you want to be able to put out your own content because you want it to be your own voice cool get somebody else to post it for you get somebody else to make that cover art for you i mean even things now like business expenses like
2: have so many tracking it like we put all the receipts in one little folder and then that person goes through and, and makes sure that you know they go through and they validate all of them, yeah right? our and video
1: they- editing that's a huge one for us because we make a lot of videos for youtube and so like what we want on the youtube page when it needs to go out like what hashtags needs to be with it all anything like that like yeah think think much lower i mean if you have a big task where I need to reach out to 250 people on Facebook, like it'll be my words, but somebody else, like my executive assistant will be the ones who are going through my Facebook list and reaching out to the people. Cause that can take you hours while mm-hmm. you could be doing so many other things with those hours.
2: And we also have them tracking a bunch of KPIs for yes, us too, true, right? So we true. know where we're at, things like that. So
1: what posts are working, what time they work, you know, cause like you have to test all of that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. We, so we, we focus on like, so for our videos, like for YouTube, right? Like we just film the videos. We write, we, you know, we make an outline of what we're going to talk about. We film the videos and then I upload the video and that's it. Right. Like yeah. our video editor handles everything else, like loading on YouTube and everything like that, posting and things like that. So like, yeah, just great.
0: That's actually really good feedback and advice. Cause like, as like for, for me that was kind of like my way into just like trying to get these conversations was like video editing or was graphic design and it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. Yes. It takes a lot of time, like even just coming out with like some of these posts and like coming out with those cool little Instagram clips or whatever, like it, you know, bringing back to what you were saying was like working on, like on the business versus in the business. I feel like I'm definitely working in the business right now. And so that's really good advice and, and feedback um, for yeah, me.
1: Yeah, I know. And that's great. And you know, too, like once you post something, you end up scrolling. Like if somebody else is posting for you, you never got on to scroll to begin with. You get so much time. I swear. You
0: you should be a a producer on social media, not a consumer. consumer. (laughs) Uh, producer versus consumer. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love
1: it.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael and Susie, for coming on to the show again. And if people want to reach out to you again, how can they reach out to you?
2: So the easiest way to find us is just to go to adventurousrei.com forward slash info. And there you can read more about return on impact. You can read, you can find our podcast, The Adventures of Real Estate Investor. You can find our YouTube channel, which we briefly just talked about, uh, The Adventures of Real Estate Investor, which has a lot of how-to videos. And you can connect with Susie and I on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, all on that one landing page. And again, that is adventurousrei.com forward slash info. And then
1: tell them about the checklist.
2: Oh, yeah. And if you want a 215-point yes. multifamily acquisition checklist, this is everything from pre-LOI all the way through closing and takeover, you can go to com forward slash checklist and download your free copy there.
0: Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael and Susie. I'm definitely going to be getting that checklist after this. And have a, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for all this insight and knowledge that you've brought to us. Definitely make sure to reach out to them and uh thank you for listening. Thanks, Taylor. It's so much fun.
1: Yeah, have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to the multifamily artist podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes. Leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.